have been back since the end of February. Uh, most of the, a couple of us stayed on a little bit longer. Been back since the end of February, and we have been hanging out to share uh, what it is that we're going to share today with you. It really has been kind of just percolating in the background. So I'm I'm just going to um, paint a little bit of a picture of how we got to the airport to go on this trip that we've just come back from, and then Steve, uh, Don will pick up after me, and the team will carry on, and you'll get all the all the information that you need. So when I first arrived here, um, the very first meeting I had with one of the um, uh, team leaders of the church life was Steve, uh, right here. And uh, we met and we had lunch, and I was just asking him questions about overseas mission, missions in general, really, but overseas because that was his baby. And from that, uh, was invited to the, uh, the next um, overseas missions team meeting. And out of that, we began a conversation about, you know, what is God doing or wanting to do with uh, St. Albans Baptist Church in this new season post-COVID? Because COVID kind of just put cold, a dampener on everything for a whole lot of people. And a lot of ministries and things just kind of slowed down because you couldn't travel for a start. So now that the borders were opening again, we started to talk about, well, what is God saying to us? This is the team, and we were in Jeanette's house when this all happened. And as a result of that, there were a number of initiatives uh, that were discussed from the team. There was the possibility of getting involved in Samoa. Another one was the Philippines. Um, Thailand, obviously, which we did go to. Um, another, Bradley Clark with, with math. And um, Bradley has, if you don't know anything about that, Mission Aviation Fellowship. And Bradley, who's part of the church, um, is really keen to be part of that at some point in time. But he, he made a big mistake. He got married. <laughs> Did I really say that? <laughs> By that I mean um, it kind of slowed things down a little bit. But that was something that we also considered and we're looking at that and, and that perhaps may come up in the future anyway. And then of course uh, Andrew and Jan, uh, the Bovies, um, coming back and again the timing of that it was kind of like for the team because um, Andrew and Jan have been such a focus for the life of our church while they've been overseas and it's just been awesome to, su to support them in that, that whole venture. But they've come back, they've retired from that season in their life, and now it was kind of like open to what are we going to do. So the team uh, went through a process together, prayed it all through, talked it all through, and decided that, um, that uh, God was calling us to go to Thailand to connect with Pon, who a number of you know, uh, and the church had connected with her in previous times. We'd sent, sent money up there, I think. I think we bought her a car at some point, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was what we decided to do. And as I shared with you some weeks ago, when it comes to vision, sometimes, in fact, often actually, when God gives you a fresh vision, he gives it to you incrementally. So you get the first kind of, team, this is what I want you to do. God's speaking now. This is what I'd like you to do. So you take that first step, but that opens up for the next download, the next step that God is wanting you to take. And that's what it was like. So we arrive at the airport to go to Thailand and uh, to, to uh, visit Pon and a number of other initiatives, uh, Don, and you can pop on up now. Another uh, uh, other initiatives, but still knowing, not knowing exactly specifically what God was going to show us. And that's now the beginning of the journey. Morning, everyone. So I was part of the Thailand team. Actually, I still am. <laughs> Um, although I didn't get to uh, go on that trip. Um, we've been preparing and praying for quite some time. Um, and as many of you will know, I had an injury early in February um, that resulted in me not being able to go. And I've had a lot of questions and a lot of tears with God about this and a huge sense of grief and loss. However, I also know from past experience that nothing is wasted in God's economy even when things don't go to plan. <laughs> What's with the hair loss? <laughs> and the teeth loss, my goodness. Injury wasn't that bad. <laughs> These are real. 
<laughs> so the team, right from the very beginning, had its, as one of its focuses to identify at the end of the trip, before returning home, what the one thing was that they would bring to the church as an action point to get behind and support. Now, I'd, I'd been praying a lot in the lead-up to this trip, and particularly in the month before I had my injury. And I had this strong and repeated sense of something that we might be getting behind and supporting. The intention, though, was to pray about it during the trip as we met people and groups, and then decide at the end of the trip what that one thing was going to be. I didn't understand why I was getting ideas at that time about the one thing before we'd even left New Zealand, let alone being there to find out and to observe and pray about what we saw. So what did I do with that? Well, I tucked it away in my mind. The timing of announcing something like that didn't seem appropriate, and I wasn't even certain if I was hearing correctly or clearly. But it was enough of an impression that I noticed it and held on to it until the right opportunity to bring it up. So the team had a wee meeting a couple of weeks ago over a potluck dinner, and I mentioned these thoughts that I'd been having during prayer. And Steve said, you have to share that. So here it is. As I prayed, I sensed that there was a need to support and put resource behind someone theologically trained to support the work in Thailand. My sense was that resource going to existing projects will go so far, but resource for a Thai person who is theologically trained will have much wider reaching capabilities as they develop and train other Thais to positions of ministry. So in a nutshell, more shepherds can care for more sheep. Am I on? Yes, beautiful. How are we going, church? Good, awesome. I know it's a little bit weird seeing me up here, but um, you know it's important when I'm up here. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those of you who um, may have asked me about the trip, you probably got the same answer, which was it was good. Um, and that's just because we did so much stuff that I just couldn't sum it up. I just um, I didn't know what to put in, what to leave out, so you just got that it was good. Uh, so luckily for me, eight other people got to go on this trip, and so today we are going to tag team uh, our trip, uh, and we are going to share about one or two things that really impacted us on the trip. Um, I'm going to change slides. Try this. There we go. So, for those of you who may not know the team, um, this is our first team photo in Thailand. I think the team got a little bit sick of me handing the phone down to the end of the table, going, it's another team photo time. Um, but I can tell you that this is probably the most photographed mission trip that SABC has been on. So, so we're going to start on the right-hand side and work our way around the table. So we've got Chris, Alan, Steve, Louise, who is not able to be here today, Jeanette, Ethan, Paul, myself, I'm Sarah, and Leslie, and obviously Don, who was unable to come over to Thailand. Alrighty, I'm going to change. So this is our accommodation in WeSet. Um, I wonder if I can... There we go. So this is our driver, um, and then beside Jeanette, we've got Lek. Uh, and Lek is employed with Pon for a couple of months. Pon is beside her as well. So that's who we met in WeSet. Uh, so today, as I said, we're just going to go over what we did in Thailand. Um, but on our second, mission, uh, second meeting, uh, Steve said, we don't choose the team, God chooses the team. 
Uh, this meaning that we can have all the thoughts about who we think should be on the mission trip, or could be on the mission trip, should I say, um, but we don't know who God is individually calling. Um, and that must be true, because how else do you get this group of people together? <laughs> the, the word that kept being said was eclectic. We're an eclectic bunch of people. Um, this meaning we're of different ages, different stages of life, and, you know, let's be honest, in church sometimes we just walk past each other with just a friendly f- smile, but not actually getting to know each other. Um, but that all changed over there. You know, God had a plan. He individually called us to be a part of this team, and he individually talked to us about the vision that we are going to share with you today. Uh, so we are not standing up here t- saying this is exactly the vision that in the direction that it's not the direction we're going it's just we are presenting an option to you we want you to prayerfully consider this as the direction SABC should go so we are only nine people of this church family that got the amazing opportunity to go over to Thailand to see God's work so you guys ready to hear about it Yeah. yeah awesome so we are going to start off in Bangkok so we've got Chris, who's going to be talking about two ministries. We've got Rahab Ministry and Nightlight Ministry. So the first Christian ministry that we visited in Thailand was Rahab, which is an outreach to the prostitutes in the Pat Pong Red Light District in Bangkok. Bangkok has three main red light districts, and we were staying only a short walk from Pat Pong Road, where Rahab has its office. This ministry was started by a New Zealander, Patricia Green, in 1989, and is now run by a Thai team with the support of Alex and Sarah, a couple from Ashburton. Rahab goes into the red light bars every Wednesday to develop friendship with the girls and invite them to monthly evenings of food, fun, and friendship, where there's an opportunity to share the gospel with them. They also offer alternative employment, making jewellery and toys, and they encourage them to find a trade that suits them. Most of the girls come from very poor areas in the northeast of Thailand. They've been enticed to come to Bangkok with promises of a well-paid job in a restaurant. They need money to send back to their families who are often facing extreme hardship. And in Thai culture, the daughters are expected to work and provide for their parents. These girls also owe money to the people who brought them to Bangkok for helping them to get there. And once they arrive, they find the money they owe has grown substantially. The restaurant job was a ruse to get them there. And they have to work in the bars and make themselves available to the men there. Even once they accept Jesus and want to change their lifestyle, it's very hard for them to face working for substantially less money than they can get in prostitution. And they feel a huge responsibility to provide for their families. So this is a photo of the girls from our team talking to some of the ladies at one of the bars that they visit. So after Sarah and... Alex shared about their ministry. The ladies from our team went into this bar with Sarah and Chana Pry, who's from Rahab Ministries, and the guys prayed for us while we were there. It was a lot easier to chat with the girls than we'd expected, although we did need Jeanette and Chana Pry to translate at times. The younger girls, um, you can't see them very well, but the ones at the back waving, the two younger ladies, They are sisters, and um, prior to COVID, they'd worked in other jobs, but they lost their jobs due to the COVID restrictions. And their aunt runs this bar, so she gave them employment there. The exciting thing for us to hear since we came back home was that these girls, Gao and Git, have said they no longer work to work in the bar, and they want to open a smoothie stall near one of their daughter's schools. So Rahab have said that they might be able to help them do this. And I felt a real compassion for Rahab Ministries because they could do so much more with better funding and support. 
Um, when we went back to Bangkok after we set uh, a week later, we visited another ministry, Nightlight, which works in the Soy Cowboy Red Light District. Nightlight is funded out of America and is well-resourced and owns a new building with great facilities. It offers free health checks for the bar workers, training and employment opportunities in the cafe and a bakery, as well as sewing and jewellery making for a larger number of women. And while they were there, they gave us some brochures, which we've brought home, which if you want to read some more about Nightlight, um, is an example for what, of what the work that Christians are doing in Bangkok with the prostitutes. Um, there's some out in the cafe, or you can come and get one from me. And now Steve's going to speak. Can you guys hear me? Am I on? Yes? Yeah. We'll stay on that photo just for a second because we are going to have a little bit of fun with it. But also, um, Rahab and Nightlight were extremely impacting. Amazing what these guys were doing on really skinny funds, especially Rahab. But we actually walked past that bar. So we did actually pray for these ladies while they were there. And we walked past the bar heading back to our accommodation. And they were going to follow us afterwards. And I never actually noticed at the time the name of the bar. But when I saw the photo, I thought, what a piece of gold dust that we've actually got Jeanette Edmonds in a photo of the Spanky Bar in Bangkok. <laughs> <coughs> and I thought I would never, ever experience that. Now, if you're a secular person, are they there for a job interview? I'm not so sure they'd all get a job, to be fair. But anyway, I thought we'd just keep that one, because having Jeanette in the Spanky Bar was quite a laugh. But anyway, we'll move on, Sarah, if we can. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. So I did ask Jeanette if I could say that, by the way. Okay, I get to show you a couple of uh, quick videos. So this is Pond's Church with One Sunday with the Kids. Okay, so one of the things that really hits home, and I get to tell you a little, little bit about Pon, and I'll come to the slide in a second. So that was her church service on the Sunday that we, well, it's actually a Sunday since we've been back. What really impacted us was the number of young kids that are actually there. So if you think about Thailand and you think about Christian ministry, and you're going on about numbers, if you're saying we want a church of 400 by the end of the year, you might as well forget about it. It's not a numbers game because Buddhism is so strong in places like we sit throughout Thailand you're lucky if you get one Christian conversion a month. But you know what? What it matters is the people that are prepared to do that and actually spread the gospel for one person a month. So they're the words that I came back from Thailand. So I've talked to you guys about Pon before. I've talked to you about what's in her heart, what's in her mind, the commitment she has. Her faith remains extremely strong. So let me set the scene for Weset. Weset is not a place that you would go to have a holiday. It is not. It is dirt roads. It is low level. It is really low economic socio. The people seem happy, but everywhere you go, even three or four kilometers down the road from Weset, there's a gold Buddha. I don't know how high it is. 100 meters high, Jeanette, rough enough. And you see it from the distance, and there are temples. So every cent they have goes into Buddhism. Each house has a spirit house at the front of their property, a little house on a stilt, and they give sacrifices to that spirit that they believe in every single day. So if you don't have strong faith, and if you think it's about numbers, you might as well shut the place down because it just won't work. But she has a love for the people. So when I met her first in Lotbury 10 years ago, she had a love for the people of Lotbury. Now Lotbury, Prabhat, we said are all in the same region, but that love has not Change. She is as strong and as heart committed as ever, and everything she does is about honoring God. So, you saw that service before. If you were a Kiwi minister in New Zealand with a church of maybe 15 people turning up, you've got a total membership of 30, you would get discouraged very, very quickly. The one thing Pond does not get is discouraged because she knows what she's fighting against that Buddhism controls 98% of people in Thailand. So, if Pond doesn't care, Who's going to care? If Pon doesn't have, have faith, who's going to honor God? And she has joy in her heart. What you saw there with her singing in church is what she does every single day 
of every minute that she does because she is joyful for the fact that one person may hear the gospel. And those young kids in that church who go out for a little Sunday school um, you know, event as well, and that's what she cares about because she knows God's got a purpose for her and it means something. And it's all about gospel-based evangelism. We didn't understand what she was saying, but she had a Bible in her hand every single time. So nothing has changed with the energy, the enthusiasm, the commitment Pon has. She's just 60 years of age. You can go to the next one. So one of the things with Ty is when you are told you are going to do something, you don't actually quite realize what that means until you go. So we were actually told we were going to the WESET Council. So I didn't know what that meant other than I knew they were elected people. So we were going to meet the deputy mayor or the mayor. Weren't too sure of that either. So we walk into the council chambers. You can see it there. Now, I don't know if you've ever presented to a council before. When you go into chambers, it's all very sterile, all very sort of formal, and you're actually not too sure what's going on. So we were actually um, you know, met by the deputy mayor. So he's the fellow in the blue shirt up the front there, and he basically was really happy to see us. So we were treated as though we were the Prime Minister of New Zealand or Australia. Because you know why? Westerners do not go to WESET. Why would you? It's not the place a Western is going to travel through under any circumstance, whether it be on a holiday, but if you're on a short-term missions trip, you will go there because you know what Buddhism can do. He wanted us to give a donation. We weren't going to do that, but he was also interested in what we could understand about sustainable cities, sewerage, waste management. So as soon as I hear all that sort of stuff, what happens to me? My ears start to prick up because we've had an earthquake. We've experienced those things. We know what we can do to fix those things. So Pon even said rubbish collection and we said is not good. And we have walked around, we said, and we can confirm rubbish collection is not good. <laughs> All right? But basically that visit to the council, so I got asked to say some words. So what do you do? I'm there on a, on a short-term missions trip. I'm going to the council. Now I'm addressing the deputy mayor. What on earth have I got to tell him about sustainable cities? But I made something up. I managed to make it sound pretty good. I talked about planning, I talked about waste management, I talked about sewage and that type of thing. But you know what we did? We created a connection because we're going to go back to him and Pon put her church on the map and we set by taking a bunch of eclectic Westerners to the, meet the council because we were greeted as royalty and they treated us with respect. So we've now created a pathway to get more things done for her. So that was an awesome experience. And you can flick on, Sarah. And I guess every little presentation has to have a simple sermon. And I'm a really simple thinker. I don't need to read that, uh, that verse because you guys actually know what it says. And I guess the Great Commission says that we don't have to do it on our own. And we didn't do it on our own. We went with a team. We were all different, but we had skill sets. But you know what? We had you guys praying for us. We had you guys supporting us. We had you guys thinking about us. And that strength got us through because nothing went wrong. Not one thing other than Don's sad event prior, not one thing went wrong while we were there. And some might say, well, what about evangelism at home? Absolutely evangelism starts at home, which is what we do here. But do you know what? God has called us to also do things offshore as well in a small way. We will not change the world. We cannot make the biggest difference, but we can make a, make a very small difference somewhere if we really care. So for me, the Great Commission is really important because it says go out to the nations, and also I am surely with you always. So the verse that we took to keep the trip very, very simple was that God was calling us to do something. And also when we went to the council, we got, don't flick it yet, we also um, got to go and see a council-owned preschool. Again, we had no idea what was going to happen. Now, don't get me wrong, WESET's not all bad. There are some new houses in WESET's in certain parts, and they cost about 100000 to build, so it's quite good. But the bulk of it is very low socio. But we got to watch these kids put on a couple of items for us, and it was just delightful. She was awesome, eh? She was awesome.
So two things I want to highlight with that picture. So bottom left is Pom. So everywhere we went, she clapped, she smiled, she laughed with the local people. It was like she was one of them. The deputy mayor is the fellow in the blue to the right. He was there. So these children had spent a number of days practicing for a bunch of Westerners turning up. What an amazing thing to do, an amazing experience. So remember that. We set councils, put her on the map. And I think now it's Leslie. Yeah, hi. So I was going to be talking about a evangelism uh, meeting that Pon put on. So there was a Friday night and... Yeah, we met at her church, and she put on an event, so they had a meal. Uh, we did uh, items and led a game. Um, I did my testimony, and then she put on a Jesus film that was obviously in, been translated into Thai. Um, when I did my testimony, that was the first time I'd felt calm and, you know, composed when I was actually delivering my testimony. Like, public speaking, as you know, I'm never calm, always nervous, but this one time I was completely calm, completely nervous, and I just think that speaks to the peace of God that we, that I had at that time, and just through the whole trip, I always felt that peace of, peace of God with us, and yeah, you could, definitely for me, like highlighted by this, but also throughout the whole trip, I just felt a huge sense of God's peace while we were there. Uh, Ethan. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ethan, and I am the youngest member of the team that went to Thailand. Um, and I really, it was my first time overseas, and I really enjoyed this experience. Um, I enjoyed bartering, trying new foods, learning a different culture, and getting to know the team better. I would like to share with you two things that really impacted me in Thailand. The first one was when I visited the AIDS temple. The AIDS temple is a place where people, get, where people with AIDS get sent. There is a hospital for them, and when they die, they get put into a room in a cage, not only adults, but children as well. They are not buried because they are seen as unclean and unworthy to be buried. If a baby is born to a mother who has AIDS, they are treated as though they have AIDS as well. Sorry, it's just a bit. Um, this made me feel the mightiest anger because it was not giving the people the right to choose where they, what happens to them after they die. And I have a gift of feeling spiritual presences around and I just felt the evilness in there. Just, it was overpowering. Um, the second thing that impacted me was a sign I saw on the first night we arrived in Thailand. It was in the red light area of Bangkok and I felt this grab on my shoulder and then I just looked up and I saw a sign saying 50 gorgeous girls plus few ugly ones and this also made me feel the mightiest anger because it was saying we have these ones you'll love but then these ones you'll just hate and this is not a nice way to treat people I am shaking from how Even though there are some things that impacted me in this way, I would still recommend going on a trip like this if you have the opportunity. Thank you. Stay there, mate. Stay there. Can I come on? Can I come on? Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. Can you guys hear? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You can. I just want to give a couple of quick examples. So you've seen Sarah's leadership. You know, Sarah doesn't want to be up here. Of course she does. She wants to be sitting down with you guys. But when you trust God, God delivers. This man came alive in, uh, in Thailand. You know, we didn't know who Ethan really was because it was Don and Ethan, but he became Ethan. And you saw the observations he had. So we'd have team meetings and Ethan would share visions and observations and, and references to uh, biblical verses that were actually astounding. So when you put your faith in God, you step out and actually say, God, I'm going to trust you. 
this is what you actually get. Now, a month ago, you would never have imagined he would stand up here and share what he just shared. So it's incredible what gift mm. God can do. Well done. Thank you. Thank Awesome. So um, I'm here to talk about the trust land. So this isn't a part of the vision that we are sharing today, but uh, we just want to show you the amazing way that God moved while we were over there. Um, I have simplified it the best I can, but um, I will be reading off my phone. So Pon is the chair of a trust under the Association of Churches in Thailand. So the trust is trying to change the land ownership from two family names into the trust. Um, so the trust is in Prabhat, so it's um, a bit away from we set. Um, so the families are all on board, they've signed the paperwork, but the key official who signs the document has not, um, and he just was holding off on signing, signing it. Um, so, because over there, they ask, they try and get more money out of you to sign the documents. Um, while we were on the land, we prayed, prayed for that this official would sign off the document because Pon is really exhausted from it and it has taken her out of her ministry from we set. Um, we asked if she would take a step back, but she really wants to see this land ownership changed. So when we got back to Bangkok, we got a message from Pon saying the key official had been in touch and all she needed to do was sign a few more documents and... Um, and and as of this week, uh, all the transfer of all le legal documents have been completed, and it's relieved her workload significantly. <laughs> so I was up here on stage um, last year saying that I didn't know why God had called me to Thailand, but I just know that he had. Um, and God really showed me through this experience with the trust land the power of turning up because he asked you to turn up. Um, that we don't need to worry if we're enough because he works through us and sometimes at the time we don't even realise he's doing it. So uh, next up we have a personal testimony from Jeanette. So just to let you know that trust land had been in limbo for a whole year with nothing happening and a couple of days after we arrived happened. So um, last time I stood up here I told you that I probably wouldn't do very well on the trip and I was too exhausted and I wouldn't cope but actually never happened like that. I got off the plane and I was totally revitalized and I got my passion back. I kept up with the team and everything they did except for the last couple of days when they went off sightseeing and I went to visit some of my friends and I was just so grateful to God it was like oh this is amazing. Um, but God was just so encouraging. Well, a number of things were very encouraging. And one was Paul, as our pastor, who came alongside the team and encouraged us and talked to us and drew us out and talked about our giftings. He said to me, well, your, your um, call to missions hasn't finished yet. I thought, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but I was very happy because I was in my happy place. Um, and Steve, what an amazing administrator. I, um, yeah, everything ran really smoothly, and if we had any problems with accommodation or, um, well, we didn't have problems. He just handled it. Accommodation, transport, insurance, lost luggage. What a relief. I didn't have to handle all these things. I had an amazing team of people with me, and um, the team was, we all had a heart of love and care and um, a willingness to be involved no matter what. We had a prayer time and a devotion in the morning briefly. We had about an hour's debrief every evening. And you know what? There was never one negative word. It was all encouraging, affirming. And well, I thought, this is like living in heaven. In fact, I thought in my heart, if missions was like this all the time, it would be a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> to have a team of unity, to have love and... Um, yeah, like your brothers and sisters walking side by side, holding your hand. In fact, someone said to me before I left, you're going to have a, a team of... I was talking about how I find it hard to relate to men in the past, haven't wanted to, especially Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we got things sorted a few years ago. <laughs> but 
I still didn't want to get too close, but I was awestruck at what God did through Steve. And uh, very grateful for some healing ministry I had before I went. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Yeah, somebody said to me, it's, you're going to be like, going on this team, it's like you're going to have five brothers surrounding you and protecting you. Well, she said six, actually. I'm sure Don was also at home. And um, it's going to be an amazing trip for you because you're not going to be alone like you were. And I didn't have to carry everything. So it was amazing. Um, and we, we really felt the sense of being carried by prayer by you guys. So I asked God for a promise for the team before we went, and for myself. And he gave me Psalm 27:14. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Well, I prayed that for over 20 years in Thailand. And occasionally, we saw some good things. I mean, God was always there. But this time, from the day that, uh, the second day I arrived in Thailand, God just kept bringing people who I hadn't met for many years, telling me what God had been doing in their lives. And... Um, so I went to Lotbury. Uh, yeah, so Pond's the top. I knew Pond since 18. She came and lived with me. And we, she's 59 now. We've had this relationship through most of those years. And I love chatting with her every week or two. And, yeah, God has been at work in her life in amazing ways. And she came to WeSet and picked up where I nearly died, really. And I tried to put her off coming, but God had given her a vision, and she was absolutely convinced that God had called her there, and God's enabled her to survive. Um, so I went to the language, we all went to the language school, and I met um, Pansy's daughter. So Pansy's on the front of my book with me, my language teacher, and this is her daughter teaching at the language school. She's now 59, and she said to me, oh, my three sisters in Bangkok. My two sisters in Bangkok, they went to, they want to meet you too. Hadn't met them very often. So went and had a meal with them. And when, when we got there, they gave me this beautiful Thai bag. And they said, it just looks like mum, and we thought you would really love it. And there was a note inside it which said, thank you for being our spiritual mum these last 40 years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to live with Pansy and her family for two months to learn how to live like a Thai and learn some of their customs. And um, every day, Pansy and I prayed that all her children would come to the Lord. So she had five children. They've all come to the Lord. They've all gone on in the Lord. And so over this lunch, they were telling me about... Um, we had a youth group in Lotbury, and a dozen people came to the Lord. After I couldn't do nursing, God sent along a dozen people in a year. And Barbara and I ministered to them. I didn't have a lot of language, but I went along and supported her. Well, I heard of, um, so um, they told me the story. They said, have you heard what happened to all these young people? I said, no. And so they told me how five of them have become pastors. And most of them were just ordinary kids who came occasionally when they felt like it and didn't come when they didn't feel like it. And you'd sit there thinking, is anything good ever going to come out of this? <laughs> and uh, so we met two of them, <laughs> two of the guys who were pastors. They're both 59. One's been a headmaster, and his son, unbeknown to me, has started translating the book. And since I got back just two or three days ago, I, Pon says to me, hey, I went to see um, this pastor, Uterson, and his son, who's in his 20s, so loves your book, he started translating it. And I said, oh, get him to send it to me. So he, I've been reading it the last... She said, it's so good. She's had the book a year and never commented because she can't read it. She said, the language is great. He's fantastic. We need to get behind him. So just got to get my um, publisher on board now. So <laughs> that was exciting. Anyway, they told me um, that all of this group, 10 out of the 12, two had dropped out, but 10 out of the 12 had been involved in serving God most of their lives. Two of them were, had doctorates, so this is a girl from a leprosy patient who wasn't that interested. <laughs> She's now a doctor of education. Her husband's a doctor of education. They teach at the university in Lotbury, and I'm going, really? <laughs> and and every, every day almost, God just showed me what he's been doing. And I realised, I rang Barbara, who lives in Nelson. We worked together, and I told her, and she said, they were the worst years of my life. <laughs> It was really hard for her. It was really hard for me. 
And look what God's done. And, and I thought, well, it just shows you the power of the seed of the word of God because we always taught the word. And it shows you the faithfulness of God. He never gives up, even when we can't see what's happening. So hang on there, Steph. <laughs> God's doing some exciting things. And he uses anybody who's available, no matter how weak we feel or how much the enemy tells us, you know, we're not making any difference. So that was so encouraging and so revitalizing. And then Louise and I went to um, the preschool. Oh, yeah. And this was such a lovely trip. This preschool is under an overhead um, express, an overhead expressway under the motorway. And it's, it's dark and dirty and, and the kids have got nothing. They live in broken old down cars or tin huts. And so Bet, one of um, Pansy's daughters, is running this preschool. And so Louise and I went, and um, I sat on the floor, and these kids who have nothing at home, they all, one by one, they came and presented me with a soft toy. And I didn't know what to do with it. I just sort of hugged it and loved it and tried to give it back. But no, they wanted me to have it. And it was just such a real sense of joy. And when they, we took a um, parachute from here, and the kids, they'd never had anything like it. They'd, and they just lie, lay on it. They loved the texture of it. And... Uh, they just were ecstatic. And then Louise taught them how to flip things and how to do things with them. And we said, oh, they were so excited about it. We said, oh, we can't take this away. We'll have to leave it here with them. <laughs> so, so thanks, St. Albans, for letting us have one of your parachutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Paul. Paul, you're up next. Great, thanks, Jeanette. So one of the things that was part of the preparation for the team um, before we left was um, what do we do when we get there in terms of trying to identify the uh, mission initiative that to bring back to the church for you to consider are we going to get behind this or not. Um, so we, we arrive over there and there are six, I think six separate initiatives that we had some um, a look at. The Rahab was one, there was the... Um, Nightlight, the one that you've just seen. There were the two others. Uh, there's the we set part of it, and there was a couple of others. And what we said to the team, in, in terms of finding um, the will of God for us as we are up there individually, and then to bring back to the church as our recommendation to you, in terms of finding that, we made a, a decision, uh, Steve and I, as that kind of overseeing the team, that. As we go through this journey and go, and go into these places and see and smell it for ourselves and, 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 and hear the, the voices of the people and hear the stories, that we were to pray about that individually on this trip and not to communicate with team members about what we believed God was saying to me individually. We could talk to each team member and say, look, I saw this and I saw that and, and this really um, impressed me or really touched my heart, but the decision-making process was going to happen at the end once we got back to Bangkok and then every person would be given an opportunity without interruption to share what they believed God was telling them. Well, and that's exactly what we did. So once we'd gone around and saw all of this stuff over the 14 or 15 days, whatever it was, we, um, we found this cafe, as you do, and uh, yeah, that's right, coffee. And, um, uh, and the, the, the girl running the shop, it was a, there was a mezzanine floor, and, she's, and I told her what we'd like to, like to do, we'd like some space. She said, oh, you can have the top floor, it's all yours, I'll, I'll block off the stairwell once you get your coffees and you've got it all to yourself. So we did that. So the nine of us are up there, and for the next hour and a half, I think it was Steve, I timed it. <laughs> the next hour and a half, everyone got to share, without interruption, without questions, nothing. What had God been saying to them? And when it came to my turn, it was really, really simple. For me, the initiative that I believe, am I able to say this, Steve? Yeah, go for it. Thank you. That we should, that we are going to bring back to recommend to the, um, to you is the, the, um, the, the stuff that Pon is doing and we said. And as we went round the table, Everyone had came, come to the same decision. 
everyone, without exception. All the other issue, uh, initiatives were considered, of course they were. In fact, when I went to the Rahab one, I thought there, that was it for me. But God changed that as we went through this journey. And that was incredibly important that, that you as a church understand we each individually went through this process, we collectively came together, and God had shown each of us individually what we should bring back to the church and ask you to support. Sarah. It's me, it's me, it's me. I don't need that. Is it me, we see? No, it's it me. You? Oh, is it you? Yeah, then you. <laughs> okay, I'll sit here. Yeah, jump the gun there. <laughs> awesome. So um, the women's prison, uh, this was probably uh, one of a handful of times that um, only Jeanette knew what was really going on. Um, so it was mostly in Thai and it moved really fast, so we were unable to get it translated. Um, so there's another organisation that's with us, as you can see in the photo. Um, it's a bit blurry because we had to blur out all the prisoners' faces and that. Um, you know, it's really easy to question what um, the women were getting out of the message when you don't actually understand it. Um, I get really easily distracted. So um, when a distraction came in the middle of, um, of what we were doing, I got a bit nervous that the moment is going to be missed. Um, so and looking at the screen, on the right-hand side was the main door to get into the prison, and on the left-hand side is where the kitchen was and some other things that we didn't know what were down there. Um, but in the middle of the message, the food came in for the week. So there was a bunch of women who proceeded to count and to um, move the food from one side of the room all the way to the other side of the room. I was very distracted, it was very noisy, and I got very agitated um, during that. Um, where am I? Um, when the uh, altar call came at the end, uh, 13 people responded. Um, so in the end, I really didn't need a translator to know that the women were affected by the words, and that um, outside forces were trying to stop the women from hearing the message, but it didn't work. Uh, watching the woman, you could see them clinging on to every word that was being spoken, uh, the hope in their faces that they can ask for forgiveness, that the actions that led them to the prison don't define them, and that God loves them. So um, Pon is going to go back to the prison and meet with them, those people. Um, the guards also asked if we could come back and go to the men's side as well. Steve. Righto. I've actually already... Can you hear me? I've actually already covered this, so very, very quickly, if you want to look at what, how to summarise WESET, it's controlled by Buddhism. It's unreached by Christianity to a large degree. Buddhism offers no hope, and God gives salvation, and they're open to hear the gospel. Simple as that. And I think it's now theirs. After about three days in Bangkok, we were driven to We Set in a minivan using a hired driver who drove us around for about a week. We Set's a town of about eight or 9,000 people. And as we passed the pond, has a church. Some of the, Steve's covered some of this, but he didn't tell him he was going to, so you just have to listen to it twice. Um, her church is basically her living room, and she and her sister sleep upstairs. Downstairs is her kitchen and dining room where we had a couple of meals during our time in we set. On Sunday, the dining room is cleared, chairs put in to create an area for a church service. We were there for one, one Sunday service. There were, as you saw, there were about 20 or 30 people there, about half of them were elderly, and have had a relationship with Pond for a number of years. And there were, pleasingly, about 10 or so 12 children and young adults. Pond does a lot of the service herself when people like us aren't there, and that's most of the time. Um, she does the singing, the preaching, leading prayers, etc., etc. On Sunday, we were there. Some of our group helped with the children in providing activities for them, but I think Pond usually has something organised for that as well. For such a small and demographically diverse group, there was an amazing amount of energy in the church. I gave my testimony during the service, which Jeanette translated, and I was surprised by the amount of focus they gave me. It's not easy being a Christian in a Buddhist country, and these people seemed very engaged in what Pond was offering. 
At the end of the service, Pon invited people to come forward for prayer, and most of them took the opportunity for us to pray with them. Pon also has an amazing amount of outreach and reset in the local area, and always seems to be connecting or praying with people and evangelising the local population. Pon had arranged for us to meet a number of local groups, like the council, etc., and one of them was the local woodball club. Woodball is a cross between golf and croquet, played in a grass surface, which could charitably be called rough, and using, not surprisingly, a wooden ball. We all played a game paired up with the local members. We all lost, despite some of us taking it rather competitively. <laughs> they then put on a lunch and we sat round and mingled with club members and listened to a welcome from the club president. Steve replied and said we would return next year and beat them, so if anyone is interested in starting a football club, see Steve. <laughs> this was a different group demographically than others we had mixed with in Weeset, and they all seemed well off. Since their visit, some of the club members had visited Pond at her church. This showed me that just by being there, we were having an impact on behalf of Pond and increasing our opportunities to evangelise. Sometimes you just don't realise the impact you have until after the event. Now, Chris and Leslie will something else on. So our last Sunday, just a couple of days before we left uh, Bangkok, we uh, visited the Friendship Church, uh, which is about an hour and a half's journey across Bangkok from where we were staying. And Pastor Somai is the pastor there. He's a thriving church in a new building with great facilities, and he's also planted several sister churches Pastor Somai was at the English language school run by OMF about 28 years ago when Jeanette was leading it. Um, due to COVID restrictions, there were only 100 seats spaced out in the church, as you can see. That's not the way they would have it laid out normally, but there was um, COVID restrictions while we were there. Um, he's, Pastor Somai is a dynamic and spirit-filled preacher. The worship time was amazing, and they had words on the screen in Thai and English for us. Um, our group sang Te, uh, Te Araha to them, and Jeanette shared her testimony and showed them her autobiography about her missionary years in Thailand. The service was over two hours long, and in spite of not understanding the sermon in Thai, we could feel the Holy Spirit's presence, especially in the worship at the end. And the whole church had lunch together after the service, which our team had paid for. Yeah, so after the church, there was an um, evangelism opportunity in the community. And me and Louise were um, able to go and attend this. Originally, we thought we were just going to be you know, observing and just being there. Um, during the course of about the two hours before that, it went from us just being there to us basically running a game, running a couple of games and running a... Um, Bible story for the kids group. So we went there kind of having a rough plan, but we're told them, you know, this is last minute for us, we will just do the best we can. And yeah, when we got there, we were still thinking that this was like just attached to it and there was evangelism happening and we were just looking after the kids. Um, it turned out that the evangelism was basically the kids program. That was the whole thing. <laughs> so so yeah, we're kind of, we, so yeah, we're doing this, but yeah, again, looking to my other part, I just felt a huge sense of peace during this time. I wasn't stressing out or anything like I usually would with just things being, oh yeah, can you do this, can you do this, can you do this? I just felt that huge sense of peace there as well. And yeah, that was, for me, that was really impactful, just feeling that peace. And I guess seeing the difference between we sit in Bangkok. Bangkok's obviously the churches are, as you can see, a bit bigger. They're I'm not sure if thriving is the right word, but yeah, they're more resourced, more people, and just seeing like God's work through. You know, there's still the same cultures, cultural barriers with Buddhism and everything in Bangkok, but you can see that God's found a way to break through, and you know He can do the same in We Sit. It just might take the more time and more resources that obviously Bangkok's had there for a bit of, bit of time. Thank you. Start on that one, Sarah. 
I want you to look at that photo on the right because you'll probably never see it again, but the girl in the red skirt and the black top, that's our Sarah Thompson wearing a dress. <laughs> and I don't think she'll ever wear a dress again. But anyway, <laughs> move on. Next slide. Okay, let's, let's take this home. So basically, Paul has summarized what that slide basically says. You can read the words as I give you a couple of things. One is we are going back irrespective of what the church decides to do. So as Sarah said right from the outset, we just want you to take this away and prayerfully consider if what I'm about to tell you by way of what it means is for St Albans. We've had a conversation with the elders. There is support at the elders, but there's lots of things to go under the bridge at the same time. So at some future time, we'll come back and have a conversation, but we are going again. And I will take a team next year, and I don't care how we do it, but we're going to do it. And if you want to come along, get excited and talk to us over time. The second thing is, God has told me, I'm not going to save the world on my own. So even though what I'm going to show you is maybe affordable for a person, God has made it very clear that this is St. Albans, not Steve Hills. So whilst I feel called to lead this, and very strongly called to lead this, he's made it very clear that I'm not to save the world on my own. But the other part of it is that it's not about Steve Hills the Thai team, St. Albans Baptist, we're standing here, not up there, because we are one. And if we don't project that as one, this has no future, because this is about us. Yes, there might be people that may say a few words more than others, but you have to have your hearts in there with us for this to work for God to move. And that is very, very clear. We're either aligned or we're not, and we'll find something else to do. And that won't disappoint me. We'll just go and find something else. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, so you clearly get a sense that Pon is wanting to evangelize. We said, I've told you about her faith. She is actually trying to contact 40 homes per month. So she's door knocking to share the gospel to 40 Buddhist families. And 99% of those won't be interested, won't want to hear. They'll listen, but they'll do nothing about it. But her, she is unrelenting in that commitment. To grow her church, people, resource is needed. So it became very, very clear to us early on this wasn't about writing a check for Pond to say, here's 20 grand, here's 100 grand, whatever, go and spend it. It was about putting people alongside her in a theological sense as Don, and we didn't know about Don's uh, thoughts until he shared it with us when we'd actually come back and what Paul has shared. But also the key thing for me is the 42-year legacy. What a tragedy, it's, you know, God was saying to me in my heart, what a tragedy if the Jeanette Pond work and it's not a numbers game. If you want numbers, shut this down now. It's not about that. There won't be a 1,000 people converted in 12 months. We'd love that, and if God could move, great. But it's not about that. What a tragedy it would be if a 42-year legacy was let go by this church. Last slide. So basically, here's what we want to do, and this is the vision we want to bring to you, that it's about a person or a couple, theologically trained through a recognized Bible college in Thailand, to relocate to Weset. Now, there's a risk in that, a big, big risk, because you don't want to move to Weset. Even if you are Thai, the thought of moving to Weset is going to be a huge challenge. But that's God's problem. It's not our problem. So Paul and I met with Jeanette and Pon on an afternoon to talk long and hard about some of the things that were going through our minds, because we didn't want to influence the team, and as Paul shared, the whole team is aligned to doing something with Pon. And it's about an annual cost. So we wanted to know, okay, if we found a person or a couple, what is the cost to bring them to WeSet to be mentored, to work alongside you, but to do one very clear mandate, to evangelize, to evangelize the Buddhist people of WeSet alongside you. And she told us 400,000 baht. That calculates to between 20 and 25,000 New Zealand dollars. Frankly, I got pretty excited to hear that because I felt that was an affordable number for a large church. I'm not trying to be arrogant, so don't misunderstand me, but the number wasn't beyond what maybe, just maybe, we could do. So we said to her that it could be a three-year commitment with a right of renewal for, for a further two years because it has to be formalised. And there's way, you know, obviously we'll have to think about how money would get passed on, but effectively, that is the cost. And we've said to her, okay, you have to find the people. So if our church decides to adopt this at a future time, your job, Pon, with God's help, is to find the person or couple to relocate to WeSet. So in the meantime, she's managed to find the contact details for the Bible College in Bangkok, and there are a number of them, but we are very, very clear on two points. They must be theologically trained. 
It's not going to be the mate of a mate of a mate whose father's available. It's going to be a theologically trained person from a Bible college because it has to be Bible-based evangelism and they have to live in Weset. So that's our vision, guys. That's our cost. The next stage is to have a conversation with elders. Obviously, Bovies are back. There's lots to be celebrated, lots to be done in that regard, but that's what we wanted to bring. So if all things aligned, I hate you use the word stars aligned because that doesn't sound right, but the start of 2024 is what we'd like to do. So that's us. And I guess if I was to summarize it in one simple way, you have seen people up here trust in God for what they wanted to do. And you've seen Don not get disheartened by the fact that he couldn't make it. But you've got people who were just open, their eyes were open because they touched it, they saw it, and they felt it. And irrespective of what we do, every one of you has an opportunity to go and do that. And the rewards are just incredible, both in your spirit, both physically, and also the, the boost it gives you and what you see and what you can do by just turning up. So on behalf of the team, thanks heaps, guys. We're going to move into communion, I think, and we'll go from there. But that's us. Thank you. How are we going for time? Okay.